Okay, here we go. Episode one, pilot episode of Plum Bums podcast, sponsored by Quartz Plumbing. I'm Phil. I'm here with Max. Hi. Introduce yourself, Max. <laughs> okay. I'm Max. We also got Frankie in the bed. We usually ride around with two just dogs. Just clarif- clarify that. Frankie in the bed. We're not in bed doing the podcast. <laughs> just, and the dog is not in the bed with us. So Frankie is a pug, and she's in a dog bed. We are yeah. sitting in chairs separately across <laughs> across the table from each other. But uh, So we're here with uh, Plum Bums Podcast. Um, we actually talked about doing this for quite some time, just to kind of... Just to kind of have a perspective from the trades, because nobody gets that. Nobody gets the perspective from tradesmen. Um, and I don't think that's fair. I think people need to know what it's like How running a small business. Work. <laughs> well, I, that would be the point of our YouTube channel to show that, but no one's really watching that anyway. They're basically coal miners. But... Uh, so we kind of started this thing to talk about what it's like running a small business, what we see in the field, how to build your brand. And I'm going to start this off right now by saying we are no, in no way experts, experts at any of this. Not even at plumbing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so don't call yeah, us. We don't, don't call us. We, we have no idea what we're doing. <clears throat> we actually, every time you call us, we just sub it out to another plumbing company. But um, so we kind of we kind of put this thing together where we can put everything into perspective and we're trying to figure out which direction we're going to put this. But I'm going to assume that this may go toward other business owners um, to, tr- you know, business owners starting out. So we'll give a little background of, of Quartz Plumbing. Uh, my grandfather started this business in 1961. Um he used to work in the city as a union plumber for a couple of years and then branched off and opened his own business in River Ridge, New Jersey, 1961. And we still have the same phone number as we did when we opened, which I think is pretty cool. Which means we never closed down, amazingly, after all those years through um, recessions and whatever, whatever else it is. But my grandfather had a heart attack in the early 90s and my uncle Paul took it over then. And my uncle Paul had a contracting business, a construction business, and he didn't know anything about plumbing. So he had to do a crash course in plumbing. He taught himself while my grandfather was recovering from a heart attack. How long did it take them to do their first water heater? (laughs) So the story I got, the first water heater my uncle ever did was with my father. And my father does not like to get his hands dirty. He's he's not a blue-collar type of guy. So... It I've took, met the man. He's got soft hands. <laughs> He's got very soft hands. Very, very soft. Very soft hands. Very just, you know, they're, they're not blue collar hands, which is fine to each his own. But my uncle took my father on his first water heater job and it took them nine hours. And for those of you who don't know what it takes to put in a water heater, it's what? Three piping connections. Frankie could put it in. Four piping connections, including the vent. Yeah. So they're down there struggling, trying to figure this out. And the lady, she's like 80 years old upstairs, like at the top of the stairs, like, is everything all right down there? Like she's, (laughs) all she wants to do is take a bath. (laughs) So it took him a long time to kind of get accustomed to the business to take over to like bail my grandfather out from his heart attack. 
my grandfather eventually got a little bit better, but ended needing ended up needing a heart transplant. So my uncle took it over permanently. And when my grandfather came back, he didn't do any crazy stuff. It just fully went into my uncle's hands. And then, you know, which is amazing, like at what he built it into and, and, and how much he actually taught himself. If his first job took him nine hours to do a water heater, then, you know, yeah, like we call him for all of our questions, any like questions that we have on very experienced plumbing, you know, questions that we have. And he knows it. He knows it right away. So for him to have taught himself all that stuff is, is without somebody really teaching him. I mean, he's got a contracting background, but it's just impressive. There is there is an aspect to someone who's mechanically inclined that you can pick this business up. Like you're mechanically inclined. You were going to go to school for, for electrical. Ve- electrical or vehicle repair. The, well, f- for my, fa- my father uh, – I was going to go to uh, go to school to, to fix vehicles, yeah. But then I was also looking. I don't know if you remember when I called you, looking for an electrician. Yeah. And I was going to give you to Tom. Yeah. And then I ended up with you. And then you and then uh, and that was like what poop. five five <laughs> years ago. Poop pipes. Yeah, five six years ago. And here we are. So we've been kind of so we've been kind of just. Not so much teaching ourselves. We have had a lot of help. A lot. Like I call Paul a lot. I call other plumbers a lot. We talk to the supply house. The supply house takes care of us very well. Yeah, because it's an ever-changing trade that everything is always everything is always advancing. I mean, just like everything else, but I think with plumbing too, that because thing, I mean, everything stays the same, but it changes very drastically. Like the materials and new ways to heat homes and new ways to, you know get get faster hot water and all this kind of stuff so i think um uh what was i going to say i forget anyway it's probably not that important but as far as as far as taking this over by the time i took it over paul was done he just was over it and he had got out in 2008 had hit quartz plumbing really hard and i really think he kind of lost a lot of motivation from that he had how many trucks before 08 we had Four, I think. Four trucks, four trucks on the road. And how many guys? I think there were five to six guys, and then 08 hit, and then it was just him. And then he to- took a helper here and there. One of his helpers screwed him over really bad. But then he was just a one-man operation. And to be honest, I don't know how you do plumbing as a one-man operation. We know lots of guys who do one-man operations. I don't know how. You're just on the job forever. You're just surviving. That's what happens when you're doing a one man. You're just you're surviving. You're not you're not thriving and that's not the point of this is it's this podcast is to to make, you know, to, to teach people how to do more than survive in this business, you know? And that's the problem because a lot of guys will get out of the trades or they'll get into the trades with their great mechanics but they have no idea how to run a business. Yeah, you don't have to be great at this job. You have to be good at it. You have to treat people well, treat people fairly, and and you have to be you have to be well rounded, business savvy too. Uh, that's that's I think that's uh, that's what's definitely lacking because we're kind of in continuing education over at um, at the at the trade the school. Yeah, and. There's a lot of guys in there, the, the, a lot of smart guys coming up into the field, uh, into the industry, but there's not a lot of business savvy. And I'm not business savvy. I taught myself everything. We've taught each other a lot of things just by trial and error. So if you're, and what the problem is this industry's having is 
you have a whole array of guys who are undercharging because they're not charging properly. So they think they're charging. Okay, they're undercharging. And then when a quality company comes in that wants to pay their guys right, the door's shut in their face because, oh, you're too expensive. You're charging us too much. You're gouging us. You're doing this and that. It's like, first of all, that's not the goal of us to be in the field is to gouge the customer. If we're gouging the customer, we would be closed. So uh, the point, the, the goal that we're trying to achieve is have good technicians who look at our company and say, you know what? My company takes care of me. They know my worth. They pay me a decent wage. We don't want to always be scraping for money. We don't want to, like if we need a new truck or even just a truck repair, we don't have to, we don't want to have to panic to, to repair the truck and get stuck without the proper tools or all that stuff. So we're trying to keep it moving forward, keep keeping good employees. You obviously want to keep the good employees with you. You don't want them to go somewhere else where they're going to get paid more. So I think the more guys discuss their numbers with each other and start putting their numbers into perspective for each other, the whole industry, even if it's just small pockets of like suburbs, like our area, Bergen County, I think that'll start to spread through the industry and, and it'll send a message to, listen, plumbing is an important trade and you can't, you can't just fly by night everything. So that's kind of the point. That's why we're here today. And uh, that's why we kind of took on this endeavor to do a podcast and just talk and kind of BS. And like I said, we are not experts. We are <laughs> learning this going through. Um, trial and error, a lot of things, but there is stuff. <laughs> is there so, snoring coming through? No, I can't. <laughs> so we have Frankie. So obviously people who know our business, we have a pug that rides around with us in the truck and Max brings his little poodle mix dog. But a pug is basically every canine genetic deformity rolled into a wrinkly croissant body. And it's, a, it's a plumber's dog. <laughs> it's what definitely it is. a plumber's dog. We send her through the pipes. <laughs> uh, she's actually a great companion on the field and customers love her. So you know what? We're going to utilize her and brand her with the business. <laughs> if you can't exploit your pets, who can you exploit? Um, but uh, so that's, that's basically where we're at. So we want to kind of, we want to kind of focus on, Everything that's going out in the field and just talk about it once a week, twice a week, whatever it is. So we got Max on the computer. He's just going to kind of browse through stuff. And we're just basically going to talk about different things. And I threw up a couple tabs up at the top if you want to scroll through them. Yeah. But uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty much how Quartz Plumbing started. It started uh, back in 1961 with uh, my grandfather. And they had seven children. Completely different world back then, obviously. He bought the first ha his first house in River Edge, which my uncle still lives in. Uh, what were they paying? So he was, they were paying rent in Jersey City back in 1960. $75 a month was their rent. Now Jersey City is the most expensive. It just surpassed New York for yep. the highest rent in the country. Absolutely. And it's, so, it's, it's, it's so yuppie over there. I mean, I don't know, how, when was the last time you were over at Jersey City? Jersey City, probably like two years ago. And it was just starting to get, not just Yuppified. starting, but it was getting, it was, yeah, it was up and coming. Well, I mean, likes to say. I like Jersey City. I was there maybe a year ago. I actually, I do like the city, but the price like to the live city. there. No, I don't like any cities. I mean, I like the country. <laughs> 
that's that is the ultimate goal to have no neighbors. But uh, so they were paying seventy five dollars a month, and then somebody had mentioned to my grandfather, he's like, "What are you doing paying rent? Go buy a house for a hundred dollars." And River Edge was 15 years old at the time. All those houses shot up right after the war. And they found that house on Continental for $100 a month. That was his mortgage. Yep. $100 a month. My grandmother didn't work. They had seven children living in Bergen County. And my grandmother didn't work. And they raised kids like that, and which is absolutely ate insane. And was clothed, yep. went to school, everything. I mean, listen, they didn't have the best stuff, but they had... Who needs the best stuff? There was one time I remember. I remember this story my dad told me. So, <laughs> I mean, listen, they had a rough upbringing. Growing up was not easy for my family. But he, my dad, told me one one year that for Christmas, my grandfather bought every kid a bike kit, and he went to buy the bikes, and they come disassembled. So you have to take the bike home and you assemble the whole thing. And he spent all Christmas Eve downstairs assembling every single bike for all seven kids and my grandmother was she she remembers it well because she was sitting around she didn't help him at all but she was sitting around in the kitchen watching him get so frustrated putting these bikes together but my dad remembers waking up and there were just seven bikes sitting all in a row under the christmas tree one morning and uh, it was like it was it was mind blowing <laughs> to walk down and see that. And my grandfather didn't even wake up for Christmas morning; he was exhausted. Here's your bikes now. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going back to bed. But times are totally different. And if you're going to survive in this time, we talk about it all the time. You have to know your numbers. How do you even figure out your numbers? So this was this was one of the things that we had to walk through, and, and we kind of got help through this program called Numbers Crunchers. And I think I showed you that program once. Yeah, we went back and forth between them and House Call. Well, yeah, House Call is our dispatching program, which is actually, if you guys need a dispatching program, House Call is a phenomenal app. So we st we started House Call five six years ago. And that app was pretty new, and they've added so many features where I, they pretty much have everything. But Numbers Crunchers specifically will have you lay out all your expenses, exactly what you need to pay every month, and it'll break down what you should be charging per hour, per day, what you should be bringing in per week, and it'll tell you exactly what you're worth and when you talk to a company, when you say, oh, what do they, what do we, what do you charge an hour? And they're like, oh, $95, $105. It's clear that they haven't done their numbers because you cannot, you can't run a lucrative business in this area charging 150 bucks. It's just not going to happen. So what we started to gear towards was a flat rate system where you can kind of protect the customer from overpaying. So if you give the customer a flat rate, you charge them a flat rate for the job. And if you go over, the customer's not on the hook for that. You charge them a flat rate, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. But generally, you know, you're going to maintain your numbers and maintain a profit if you're doing that flat rate system. So um that's kind of how we have been running our invoices lately, which is a flat rate system. And it's been working out really well. What we do is we walk into a house. 
if it's a new customer, we'll walk in, and there's a whole there's well dressed. What what? Ex- yep, we'll get to that. We'll actually get to uniforms. Maybe not this episode, but the <laughs> next one. But we walk into a house, and there's a whole checklist that Numbers Crunchers gives you to kind of focus on. They, what is the first line? It says, "Say so, when you meet the customer, say something like, oh, your grass is uh, so green yeah. or something like that. Make a personal connection. It, make them. a personal connection, which is, I mean. It's if, corny, cheesy, but it, you know. <laughs> right. You do it. Here's the problem. Some guys you need to tell that to. Yeah. Like if you're training, if you're training a plumber who has been, like, if, if you're training some schmuck who's been doing his one-man operation, and I'm not, I'm not dumping on guys who are a one-man operation that's a lot of work i give them a lot of props but they're in their habits if you're going to train a guy to do that you have to literally say listen when you first meet the customer make a personal connection but you walk in we look at everything so let's say they call us for a faucet okay they call us for a faucet we look at the faucet but we're going to say listen we're here let's look at a whole bunch of stuff Let's look at your water heater. Let's see how your boiler's doing. Do you like your bathroom faucet upstairs? Um, do you ever get sewer clogs, which is something that you look at if they have a house trap? So if we're going if we're gonna go into a house, we're gonna take the time to look at everything. So the way we do our proposals, we will take a look at everything that has that customer has, and we'll break it down to six different options. So your lowest option that we give the customer is exactly what they called us for. So that first option will be the faucet replacement. The next option up will be faucet replacement plus changing your P-trap and your sink basket and updating the valves underneath. The third option would be including a sump pump in there. So you give the customer an option to choose exactly what they want. So they can choose what's in their budget. Everything's guaranteed. The higher option you go, the better warranty you get. And this has actually been working out in the field because the customer knows exactly what they're getting. They know what they're buying. They have choices. And they're locked in to an excellent warranty. I mean, when you're going with a top option from us, you're getting a five-year warranty. And I don't know of any other plumbing company that's giving a five-year warranty, especially with the garbage that's coming out of the su- of the supply chains right now. Yeah. Because everything breaks down. Water heaters used to last what, 20, 30 years. Now you're lucky if you get 10 years. We changed out that water heater. Not the one we just did, but the one I think you were gone, but I did a 40 gallon. It was it was like seven and a half years old, done. Yeah. Done. Seven at at 7 years old, water heater done. And that's a problem and it's just going to get worse. It's not getting better definitely not getting better so we're trying to offset the fact that manufacturing sucks with giving a better warranty and kind of taking a hit ourselves so i don't know you got anything to say about that with manufacturing or anything i'm sure you have a lot of opinions i know you have a lot of opinions i have a lot of opinions on manufacturing i mean listen i just my father's in in the car business i just kind of bring everything back to that um, and that's where I take most of my like experience from. You know, he, uh, we, we used to sell used cars, cars with high miles. And he goes, cars used to just last. Cars is actually not a great example of this one because cars now last a lot longer, 200,000, 300,000 miles versus when he, you know, in the 80s when he said, you know, people had their car for 50, 60, 100,000 miles and that was it. They just tossed it. Really? Yeah. 
But cars, like, he goes, American cars were the best at that point. Now everything is made overseas, and it's made like garbage. But and, you're still getting 200,000 miles well, out of the Toyota. The, you know, on the Toyota that's made in Japan. I mean, it's made in a country that they're like... That they, they care about the you know, They care about every little aspect of the manufacturing, the quality. I mean, look, you can Japanese toilets, Japanese products that we use are better. Yeah, that is true. You know? When you buy American products over here, they're slightly better. But then when you see made in China, you know, you know that the product is usually going to be garbage. And you just kind of have to deal with it. So that's why the warranty is really nice. But on top of the warranty, when you go with the top option for us, you get priority status. Right. You know, so right. we're, we're exactly. there for you. Um, that is that is also another selling point that you, we kind of have to do because when a product fails, the plumber's not manufacturing it, but we get blamed for it. Yeah. And which is understandable. We put the product in, yep. you know, and the customer's going to take their frustration out on the guy who put it in. So even though it's not necessarily our fault that things that we get from overseas are breaking down. We kind of have to absorb that because we're the front men yeah. of the installation industry. So it's kind of a little bit of a hit that we have to take, but you have to compensate that by charging properly and understanding that you kind of have to, you're going to have to put all this into your pricing and it's not gouging the customer. It's, watching our back and then also making sure the customer is taken care of down the road. So it's not, uh, it's not easy to be a, let me take that back. I was going to say it's not easy to be a plumber today because I picture my grandfather hiking 10 feet, 10 yeah, footers lengths of nope. four inch cast iron upstairs. And now we have PVC, which is, I mean, I would say plumbers are on the spoiled end today because I, th I look at the, we look at these houses that went up in the 40s and 50s, like even in River Edge, just in River Edge, these cast iron sewers. I, I can't imagine. I mean, were there even a Sawzall back then? How do they cut pipe snap back then? Snap cutters. Snap no. cutters? Yeah. Snap, snap cutters or um, a, an angle. Do they have grinders then? Uh, yeah. Was there electricity? I, th back in the... <laughs> I mean, was there electricity? <laughs> it's, yes, I they look had at, the light bulb. I look at some of these houses and I'm looking at this at this plumbing like... Because a lot of tools for plumbing are fairly new. Yeah, I think most things had to run off of gas yeah, or were hand... You know, I mean, sweating, uh, melting lead and oakum and all that stuff and... No, not for me. I would I would have never done it. I would have never become a plumber. Uh, they made a lot of money. I would have. I probably. I know. I mean, I would have stick to being a mechanic, you know, an auto mechanic or something like that because no one wanted to be a plumber. No, no one wants to be a plumber today, though. Yeah, I no mean, one wants to work today. Well, that's that is, a different. Yeah. That's a different story. Nobody does. You're right. Just no one wants to do it. Everyone wants to be a, a TikTok influencer, and that's it. Everyone. It's. It's. Yeah. Listen, we're living in a time where it's very. It's easy to make a lot of money very quickly. And when you make fast money, I mean, you hear it all the time. When you make fast money, you don't know how to handle it. So you, peep, you see young people make tons and tons of money, and then a lot of people lose it quickly because they don't know how to handle it. And then it's gone. And then it's gone. And, and 
that's like lottery winners. You ever you ever read articles about that? People who win the lottery, they all go broke. They in within a year. I don't I don't understand that either. I don't know how you make millions of dollars and then immediately go broke within a year. Yeah, that's the average time that a lottery winner will lose all his winnings. Yeah, a year. People need to work. That's why I mean it goes back to us with the with the schooling and with college, like universities, four year universities. I mean, I think you appreciate. I have nothing wrong with – I do have something wrong with universities, but I don't have anything wrong with, like, people who want to get a higher education. Like my brother. My brother went to medical school, and like, he's somebody who needs – who, yeah, who yeah, was you, supposed to go to school. He could never do this. His hands are like your father's. They could, <laughs> never, no. they could never get scraped or scratched, you know? I can't imagine my father or your brother doing this. Yeah. It, it, it's – even though I know my dad has done this, like he, so when my uncle had the contracting company, my dad did work for him for a little bit. He actually broke his leg in two places once. He fell into a pit. I remember that. Um, Didn't you fall through a ceiling too? I fell through a ceiling of my first six months here. My first six months, my uncle took me on, and and my gift to him for coming out was falling through a ceiling in a twenty thousand dollar workman's comp bill. Jesus, but. Um, I can't imagine there's some people that are that are meant for college and college is meant for certain industries but there's a lot of kids out there being pressured to go to college when they should be getting into the trades like they have the mindset they have the mentality they're super hyper hyperactive if you t take a hyperactive kid and put him on a job site all day yeah. that, that kid will not be hyperactive anymore well well it Mixed in with all of that, I when I say people need to work, it do, they don't even need to work in the trades, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's a great field and a great industry, and I I think you can make a lot of money, and I think it uh, it breeds a little bit of uh, humility in people. But working I, for the I, trades, yeah, working in the trades. But I think you need to because you because you end the day stinking. Exactly, you end the day and you felt like wow, I I worked, I worked for for what I make. But I think people just need to work, even if it, like kids, they need to work at you know pizza places or, or landscaping companies, and and you know like we see all these help wanted signs everywhere, and nobody's working, and and these jobs are going, these companies are struggling to find work, mm -hmm. and I remember growing up, and I'm not, I'm 41 years old, when I was growing up and I was in high school, everybody had an after school and summer job, everybody yeah. went to work. No one, no kids have after school jobs yeah. anymore. They don't have summer jobs. They, they, they're not entering the workforce at 14. Like when you turned 14, when I was growing up, everyone got their working papers. Like, oh, I can get a job. Like I can have money. I can go to the mall. I can buy stuff. Oh, you got working papers? You had to go get working papers. I didn't. No? <laughs> no. I st well, I, I always worked for my father a little bit. But well, that's then, why. Yeah. But no, but when I was 15, I got my first like job outside of my family where... I worked at Dunkin' Donuts. In Paramus? No, in Glenrock. In Glenrock? By where, yeah, by where I at used 15? to live. At 15? At 15. I worked there for... And you need to get working papers? No. Because uh, you know why? Because my father's friend was a franchiser for Dunkin' Donuts and 7-Elevens and all, the, all those places. And he That's why you always have to know somebody. You do. Yeah, listen, it's about who you know, too. It is. But I wanted to work. I wanted I wanted money to spend when I went out with exactly. my friends and everything. But going back to what I was saying, it's just 
You just need to work. When you work, instead of going to university at 18 for, to send a kid to school where he doesn't even know – you don't even need to go to school for the trades. But when, when at 18 years old, when you're done with high school, you have no idea what you want to do. You've been told what to do your yeah. entire life. Okay, and now all of a sudden they just give you this freedom, and they say, "Okay, now you can kind of do whatever you want," and you don't know what to do with pick it. That's something. why you pick something, and then people, what do they do for the first two years of school? They party and they drink and they, you know, they do extreme things that that eventually at the end of the day they regret, they regret, and then they're still lost at the end of those two years. So that's why I think you need to work, and when you work, you find out the things that you like and the things that you don't like, or the things that you're interested in and the things that you're not interested in. And that's what guides you towards your path. And if at the end of the day, after a couple of years, a few years, you're like, you know what? Listen, I think school might be the thing for me. University might be the thing for me. So then go do that then and maybe that, pay yeah. your way. But I still think most people should end up working and not not going to university, especially out of school. Right away. High school. Yeah. But I, I agree with that. But your brother always wanted to be a doctor. Or some kind of in the medical field. Yeah, right? he always like wanted he to be in the medical field. Some he people just around know. in the medical field. Of course, some people are meant for it. Just like the same way some people are meant for the trade. Some people are meant to be mechanics. Some people are meant to, you know, right. do their thing. But, but I mean, you can kind of you can kind of narrow it down. I I I do agree with what you're saying because when I, I went to college for a year and a half, I failed out. I mean, it was a horrible mistake, and I went and I picked. Computer programming. Like, I don't even know. I did. I had no idea what to do, but hey, I had I to pick see, a major. I can see it now a little bit with how, the way you are with computers, but continue. No, no, no. I, I hate computers. <laughs> I like playing with apps and video apps, but programming, like yeah, learning code, absolutely, that is not me. But I, I went to college a year after I graduated, and they're like, you have to pick a major. You have to pick a major. I was like, all right. Well, what do you make money with? Computers. Let me do computers. Hated it. First semester, completely abandoned it. Then I wanted to be a teacher. and History, right? History teacher. Yeah. History or English teacher I wanted to teach. And that just didn't work because I wasn't ready for college. I wasn't ready. I shouldn't have gone to college. But all of societies, you got to go to college. When you graduate, you got to go to college. Go to college. Go to college. Pick a major. And I remember like 60% of the kids I was in college with shouldn't have been there. Yeah. And they, they suffer through a degree, and then they graduate, and half those kids don't even work in the field that they went to school for. Yep, they're in debt up to their neck. But here's the other problem, and here's the conundrum of this, because the trades is still looked down upon. Yeah. Like, when you talk to these kids who are in middle school, or we're supposed to set up, we're supposed to actually next year get involved in, like, job fairs, go into local schools to set up a booth, and encourage kids to get into the trades we'll get looks by these kids like oh i'm not doing plumbing i can get all the looks i want i don't care because <laughs> when when your house is flooding who are you gonna call <laughs> yeah or when it, the whole world is shut down because of covid and no one can work yeah who's still guess driving who, around working twice as busy you know do you remember when covid hit and we were still driving around how empty. Yeah, it was nice. The when you drove, when you pulled nice. onto Route Four Seventeen, like you made this empty. turn and you're like Holy cow. This is it's how like it was meant to the be. The Walking Dead. Empty. It was, that was insane. Like I'll when your father moved to Jersey in, in Ohio. Nah, your grandfather, sorry. Oh. When your grandfather moved over here to River Ridge in the sixties, it was probably dead. 
compared to the city. Do you ever seen, remember the fireplace on 17? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the, all the old pictures in the fireplace? They have pictures because the fireplace has been there forever. It's just closed down. They ha- I know. They're they, selling bricks, monogrammed bricks. Uh, of the building? Of the building. Oh, shoot. I worked there. Yeah. I mean, everyone in this area worked that's there. That's where at some you point. met my sister. Yep. <laughs> that's right. And that's how I got here. <laughs> Holy cow. I didn't even think about the turn of events that, that, that started <laughs> all that. They had the fireplace. That's how I met. That's how, that's what, that's how we're here today. But I, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Fireplace. Oh, yeah. So the fireplace has, like, they had all these old displays of, Bergen County back then. And there's this picture that I'll never forget where Route 4 and 17 cross, where the freaking Garden State Plaza is right now. And it's an aerial shot. It's nothing but trees. It's a two-lane road, yeah. two two-lane roads that cross each other with a stop sign in the middle. Before it became the Butterfly Highway. Yeah. Yeah. And then and just trees and farmland. And then this is, you might, you're maybe too young to remember this, but before the plaza went up, there was this old abandoned, there was this old store called Alexander's. And it was not like, I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I think it was just one department store or maybe a handful, but it was abandoned forever. And Paramus, I guess, was kind of, that area was kind of dying out. And then they did the whole butterfly thing and put the plaza and now it's just booming. But I when when he came from Jersey City to here, it was the country at that point. Yep. It was the countryside, and now look at it. Yeah. Now you have to drive an hour and a half out to see the country. It's one of the most congested areas now. It's insane. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge, huge, huge difference from what from what it was. And I mean, imagine trying to ride around trying to find plumbing parts back then, <laughs> driving through. McDonald's farm. We don't want to move. We don't want to move out of this area because we don't want to drive more than 10, 15 minutes to a supply house. I know. That's, that's the, like. And we have, like, what, five within 15, 20 minutes? Five miles? Yeah. So we go, I know, we go, everywhere you go, there's a supply house or a Home Depot or a hardware store. You know, I got to sit down at a map and figure out what our radius is, but it can't be more than five miles. Yeah. If we're, if we're being honest. It's nice. It's nice because you don't. You're it never, still takes you a half hour to go those five miles. Though. Yeah, that's true. But if you're ever in a pinch, everything is fairly close, which is why you can you can get away with, I guess, not super stocking trucks like guys out in the West in the Midwest who the, they need these massive trucks to like super stock. Yeah. So that they don't have to. If they forget one piece, they they got to drive an hour away. You know, to my, a supply house. So my brother was doing plumbing. Remember? Well, of course you remember. My brother came out. Do I remember? <laughs> kidding. Oh, uh, my brother lives out in Ohio. Kid's massive, by he, the way. Yeah, he's so he's four years younger than me, 150 pounds heavier, and four inches taller. Huge linebacker. Yeah, kid's a linebacker. Gentle giant, though. So <laughs> just to get off track. So uh, when he was in high school, he used to bully the bullies. So I the kids who used to pick, uh, who pick kids who used to pick on other kids, he would pick on those kids. So, and the principal once wrote a letter to my mom, thanking her for him standing up for like the bullied kids. But anyway, huge kid, heart of gold, gentle giant. Yeah, he is the nicest guy. We can't work together though. 
No. We tried it. We tried it. He came out here. I thought, like, when I, when I took over the business, I'm like, you know what? Let me get... Keep what, it all in the family. Keep it all in the family. Let's get, let's get Dave out here. Get him in a truck. It just didn't work. But he ended up doing plumbing in Ohio, which seemed like a stab in the back, but whatever. But they drive... They'll do, what, one or two jobs, maybe three a day, and you'll have three hours of actual working time and five hours of drive time and no suppliers. So you have to pre-order all your parts, stock the hell out of your shop, make sure that's fully stocked, and then get your truck stocked and make sure you don't forget anything during the day or you're screwed because you can't find anything except cows. So, the, it, or those dinky little supply houses that carry nothing. They carry nothing. I mean, we went just That's, just out in West Jersey. We I remember when we went oh, yeah. to some work out in West Jersey, and we found a local supply place. And we actually, like, he wasn't too bad. He wasn't. He but had all like, this crazy stuff. He had all of this really random stuff that you won't find by us. The really like old and random stuff that you won't find by us. But as far as like general material, like. Everything copper wise, it was just it was. It was a whack job. Yeah, he was. <laughs> it was old. It, the place was old. He was old. He looked like he was just tired. Yeah, and he was the only one there. Yeah, it's expensive to keep stock. It really is expensive. Well, that's, you're a supply house. Your job is to keep stock. I'm saying for us, oh, but yeah, um, if you are a supply house, yeah, that's that is a hit. You're gonna have to take that. You <laughs> do have to stock stock. But like for us. Or the company my brother's working for in Ohio. It's it, it's pricey to do that. Yeah. Like, you have to shell out a lot of money to hold that stock. And it just sits there. It's just money sitting on shelves that's not making money for you until you pick it up and go out and use it. That's why we're lucky where we don't have to keep massive stock. Even though that's a goal of mine, we don't have to do that because everything's local. Yeah. So it's night and day, night, night and day. I mean, this, there's so many perks to this area. There are cons, but there's so many perks to this area. And this is where the money is, you know, and the car, it, it's expensive to live here. So when we go to a house and they're expecting to pay Ohio prices, it's just not going to happen because I'm sorry, I need to live in this area too. Like, what am I going to commute from Western Pennsylvania every day? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I guess I'm hoping you guys are kind of getting the point of why we're doing this podcast, but that's basically the goal. We want to sit down, talk about our day, run through certain things that we find in the field. This is our therapy. This is how we vent. Yeah, exactly. And pretty soon we're gonna we'll, we'll probably introduce a uh, a liquor to, for each episode. We'll sip <laughs> we'll sip on a, a glass of liquor on the rocks. Drunk plum bums. <laughs> drunk plum bums. Oh man. That could that could be bad, or it could be really fun and enjoyable. But uh, hey, we built that bathroom. We built your we built your shower while we were drunk. Oh my gosh, that's right. That we was that shower. That in. was wild. What were we drinking? We were drinking monster and yeah. whiskey. And we went through what like eight monsters. I was tweaking. Yeah, so was I. I was tweaking, and I I've that- never. <laughs> I I think I blacked out fully awake. Yeah. You're probably too young for this too. You don't. You remember? Remember Four Loco? Yes, the I do. Real Four Loco. Yes, I do. It was, it was like, at the end of its at the end of its life. Was at the beginning of my drinking life. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Four Loco came out on the shelves, and then like millions of people died from it, and they took it <laughs> off. But it was it was like, but the shower's still running and standing right now. Oh, so yeah. hey, maybe we're maybe. Maybe that's the trick to being maybe a good plumber. Maybe we're amazing. 
Maybe we're amazing. But uh, so here's episode one of Plum Bums. And uh, I hope you guys stick with us on this podcast because we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff. And you're going to learn as we learn because, like I said before, we're no experts. We're really not. Trial and error with a couple bits of advice from people we know and respect. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one.